Ten years ago, my dad died of dementia. He had had it for about seven years uh, when he finally passed away. I remember during the time in which he had dementia, there were occasions where I would cry or get teary-eyed. It's just, it's a brutal disease. It's tough to watch. It's hard to watch someone you love go through that. So I do remember specific points in which just feeling the sadness of the whole situation. I do remember crying at his funeral. Uh, I had to do his funeral, which was sort of a tough thing. Um, I felt the emotions, but also the responsibility of, of sort of doing the funeral. But it was two years later, at a time that I was not expecting, uh, Lisa and I were on a trip. We had uh, gone away uh, to celebrate uh, her birthday and uh, left the kids, and we were gone to a place that I would describe as close to paradise, sort of on earth, and we were just, it was beautiful. It was just absolutely gorgeous. And I remember one evening, uh, we were gonna watch a movie together. And so we watched this movie, and in the movie, uh, one of the characters, one of the main characters has dementia. And at the end of the movie, uh, she dies. And uh, it's kind of the closing scene, and the, she dies, and then something inside of me broke. And I just started weeping. And I cried and I, cr I could not stop crying. <clears throat> it came from someplace I did not know was there, but I wept and I mourned and I cried for my dad and I cried for the death and I cried for that experience. I cried for all the people who've suffered from dementia and all of the relationships that have been broken because of that. I just thought, I don't know if it was just seeing it on the screen, I don't know what it was, um, but it was just overwhelming. And uh, Lisa just sat there and she just kind of held me for a, but felt like hours. And I just, no matter what I did, I could not stop crying. The second beatitude that Jesus shares in the Sermon on the Mount is blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. And in that experience of mourning, I want to share with you and connect with you and think about that today. So would you take a Bible and turn to the book of Matthew chapter five? Matthew chapter five, it's page 785 in the church Bibles. We're taking a taste of the Sermon on the Mount. This is the preeminent sermon in human history. It's recorded in Matthew five, six, and seven, and Jesus preaches this sermon and it's just the most powerful, most amazing, most miraculous teaching that God came among us to give us these truths. We're doing a tasting of it now, this week, last week, through the next couple of weeks. This summer, we're gonna come back to it because we want to go through sort of each section, section by section, and not miss any of it. But last week, we opened with the, the, the beginning words, which are, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's verse three of Matthew five. This is the first line of the teaching, and Jesus is giving us the absolute most foundational truth that if you and I will say about anything in life, I can't, but God can, that will open us up to all the blessings 
that God wants to pour out in our life. When we come to the second line, it's verse four. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And we gotta begin this morning by talking about the difference between crying and mourning. They're of course very, very closely related, but not all crying is mourning, and not all mourning involves crying. Crying, probably the best way to think about it, is it is a tangible expression of emotions. You can cry for joy. You can cry for sadness. You can cry when you have no idea why you're crying. It's just an outward expression of emotions. It's very powerful, but mourning is something different. It often involves crying, but mourning is something deeper. It's something darker. It's something more powerful. In the Bible, other words that go with mourning are lamenting, grieving, the idea of being cut to the heart. When you mourn, it feels like your soul is being ripped in two. It's a darker, harder, deeper sort of experience. Now in the Bible, there are three reasons why people mourn. If you go and look up all the passages where it has the word mourning or grieving or lamenting, there's really three major reasons why people mourn. The first is that we mourn over human sinfulness. We mourn over personal choices that are against God's will that bring damage and destruction to us and to others. Last week in the first service, a woman named Young shared her testimony during baptism. And she talked about the fact that uh, she was, uh, grew up or was born and grew up in a refugee camp. And when she came to America, at a very young age, I can't remember exactly the details, might have been around eight, something like that. Someone told her that she didn't belong here. That because of the way she looked and because of the way she spoke, that she didn't belong in this country. She shared that in her baptism. And she talked about how this sinful, angry, mean-spirited, perhaps it wasn't even intended to be that way, I don't know, but this comment sent her into a dark place for 15 years. And I did rejoice because Jesus rescued her out of that dark place. But I will tell you, hearing that, it was grievous. It felt heavy, it felt hard, it felt painful. And then to realize that words we use, human unfaithfulness, adultery, anger, stealing, trying to get ahead and pushing other people that our sinful choices cause such damage and such destruction. To think about the fact that even for generations, sinful patterns and habits can continue and all of the terrible things that come because you and I choose to do what God tells us not to do. And so we mourn. And we grieve over the destruction of sin. 
The second reason why we mourn is because we live in a fallen world. Two weeks ago, Sasha and Olga were here from Ukraine sharing the story of what they're going through. And to hear about the fact that uh, Olga and her kids are living, their kids are living in America because it's not safe to live in Ukraine. And that Sasha, who's a pastor of a church, is like, I have to be there. And for him to be present in that country. And you saw the pictures of the devastated houses and just lives completely ruined. And there is a grievous nature to that. There is a mourning over war and the destruction. The fact that this will cause such pain and such heartache. You hear things like this, you see things like this, and it's simply overwhelming. And you're moved to tears or you're moved to feel the heaviness of what's going on in this world. Poverty, famine, struggle, cancer, those sorts of things. And you just think, man, life is hard. And you may not point to any one particular sin. It's just the fact that we live in a broken and fallen world. And so we mourn. We grieve. The third reason why people in the Bible mourn and why people today mourn, and it is the reason that far outnumbers all the others put together, and that is death. That death is the thing that tears your soul. To be separated from someone you love so that in this life there is no longer any possibility of interaction with that person is just the darkest and the hardest and the most grievous thing there is. Countless times in the Bible over and over and over again, we mourn because of death. We mourn because this thing, this is why the Bible says the last enemy to be defeated is death. And that when you lose someone you love, there is no other way to deal with it except to say, this is not the way it was supposed to be. And we feel it in our soul that part of us is now missing that something has been torn, that something has been broken. For me, sitting in a hotel room watching a movie that all of a sudden to be face to face with the reality. You can't ever see this person again, this side of heaven. That this person who's meant so much is no longer there. That this place, that this person that had been a source of blessing been removed and the response is that we mourn but Jesus says blessed are those who mourn now maybe you read this verse the way I've always read it which I kind of paraphrase it this way that this verse is basically about hey look bad stuff's going to happen in life but then it'll get better when Jesus returns that's not what this verse is saying. I've always read it in the past as, you know what, blessed are those who mourn that this second beatitude, this second statement that Jesus makes, that this one just kind of happens to us. 
Bad stuff is outside of our control. When the bad stuff happens, well, God will somehow work all things together for good. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. You see, the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, when we hear that, we think, I should be a poor in spirit kind of person so that I will experience blessing. The third one, blessed are the meek, we think I should try to be a meek person so that I can experience blessing. The fourth one, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, we think I should try to hunger and thirst for righteousness. The second one works the same way. It's not just that stuff happens to us. What Jesus is saying is you and I should try to be people who mourn. See, bad things happen to everybody. But not everybody truly mourns. There are many different ways to react to sin, suffering, and death. You can react in anger. You can react in apathy. You can try to drown out your sorrows with alcohol or work or sex or whatever it might be. There's lots of different ways bad things happen to everyone, but not everyone mourns. And so in this second beatitude, Jesus is saying, be the kind of person who mourns. When something bad happens, when there are your own sins or the damage from sin, when you experience suffering of living in this fallen world, or when you go through losing a loved one, there's lots of different responses. You and I should be the people who choose to mourn. Why? Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. It doesn't say blessed are those who bad things happen to. It says blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now you might have a personality more like mine. I told you, I kind of always just read this verse as well. Bad things happen. You can also, if you have that kind of mindset, more of a kind of a functional engineer, accountant type, if you resonate with the sort of British stiff upper lip or the American, I don't got time to, for bad news, I got to keep pressing on. You might think the way I often did about this verse, well, wait a second, let's think about this logically. If you're kind of sort of even keeled right now and then something bad happens and that makes you sad and then you're comforted, that just kind of brings you back to where you were before. Well, that feels like kind of a waste of time. Why not skip the whole like morning comforting cycle and just get on with it? <laughs> you might think, well, if mourning is a debit and comfort is a credit that brings you back to zero, let's just avoid the entire transaction. Let me offer a different analogy that might make sense of what's happening here. The analogy is weightlifting. When you lift weights, you are tearing your muscles. But you do so because when they are built back up, they are built back up stronger than they were before. You're not getting back to the place you were before. You're getting someplace stronger. Mourning happens when our soul tears, when it feels like we're cut to the heart, when something rips. When comfort comes, it doesn't bring you back to where you were before. It makes your soul stronger somehow. 
now talking about accounting and weightlifting is way too mechanical and way too sterile for what's going on here. This is really about relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He what? He restores my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus will say that he chose to become a human to dwell among us because in our grieving and in our sorrow, we needed to be comforted. And so he drew near to us. In James chapter 4, God says, turn your laughter into mourning so that you can draw near to me and I can draw near to you. Blessed are those who mourn because when you mourn, we open ourselves up to be comforted. In the New Living Translation, the very first time the English word mourn is used in the Old Testament, it is used when God speaks to a mom about her son who is mourning. He says to her, Go to him and comfort him. In that hotel room, I cried and cried on Lisa's shoulder. (laughs) Blessed are those who mourn, because when you mourn, you open yourself up to be comforted by God and by God through others. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to spend some time here mourning, grieving. See, the problem is, is that our culture does not help us learn to do this. We watch the news, we're on social media, and we hear about mass shootings, and we become numb to it because it's just a news story. We see death in video games or in movies, war, suffering, And we sit back and watch like an audience watching a show happen. But church must not be like that. Church is not to be like that. Blessed are those who mourn, not blessed are those who observe sad things. Blessed are those who actively engage in being grieved because when we do that, That's when we experience comfort. That's when we open ourselves up. So what we're going to do for the next section of our service is we're going to try to open ourselves up so that we can receive comfort. There's a reason why this is the second beatitude. The first is, blessed are the poor in spirit. I can't, but God can. And the very first application of I can't, but God can is dealing with pain. If we try to deal with pain through anger, if we try to deal with pain through apathy, if we try to deal with pain with alcohol, if we try to deal with pain in any other way, that's us saying, I can. But if we're humble enough to say, I can't handle this. I don't even know how to respond. I can't, but God can. He says to us, open yourself up to mourn and you'll be blessed because you'll experience comfort. 
So we're going to do this in three parts. There's going to be some music to maybe help us kind of work through this. We're going to take the three things that people should mourn over. And I just want to invite you during these times to just spend time. Some people want to cry during mourning. Perfectly acceptable. Others, it feels too heavy to cry. Also perfectly acceptable. However you want to mourn. But we're going to mourn first for human sinfulness, for personal choices that we made. We're going to spend some time mourning for just the fact that we live in a fallen world. And then we're going to spend some time mourning death. Start with human sinfulness. I'm going to ask you to just close your Bible. Put away any notes you've got. There's going to be a passage on the screen, a couple of passages as we go through this. If you're not ready to do this, you can just utter a quick prayer to Jesus to please help you mourn. But I want us individually to just to think through our own human sinfulness, the choices that we have made that have caused damage and destruction. It's powerful to me that it says the Holy Spirit grieves our sin. And we should as well. Adultery in marriage, anger, words that were spoken that did such damage and such harm, racism, selfishness, neglect. What are the behaviors that you and I have engaged in? The damage that they've done. Think about the generational problems that we've inherited, that we've passed on, the pride, the arrogance, things that we've written off as personality traits, the harshness, the lack of mercy. We want to take just a few minutes and grieve those actions, those thoughts, those things we did, the things we left undone, opportunities we had to share the gospel with somebody and just didn't take them. Let's take a few moments and grieve those things.
We grieve life in this fallen world. We grieve things like cancer and dementia. Millions living in poverty, famine. We grieve a cold winter coming with many who don't have heat to stay warm. We grieve loneliness. We grieve separation and distance. We grieve war. We grieve sickness. We spend some time mourning over the fact that this is not the way life is supposed to be. That there are many who are trapped in poverty and in slavery. There are many living in cultures where they feel rejected. Where many do not have enough food even for today. And so we spend some time mourning over life in this fallen world.
We mourn the loss of a parent that you'd like to ask advice from just one more time. Or to get to say thank you too. We mourn the death of parents who we waited our whole life to hear them say, I love you or I'm proud of you and never heard that. We mourn the death of a spouse, a soulmate, someone who knew us better than anyone else ever will except God. We mourn the loss of a friend, a companion, someone to journey through life with. We mourn an empty chair at the Thanksgiving table. We mourn the death of a child. Our heart walking around on two legs outside our bodies. We mourn a miscarriage and the promise of what could have been. We mourn the loss of a grandma. Someone who accepted us and loved us no matter what we did who prayed for us and was always there for us. We take time to mourn, to grieve death.
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Let's be dismissed this morning by saying out loud our benediction. Would you join me in saying this? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God bless you and may the God of all comfort be with you today.